Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? The soulful. The illustrious. The space where the vulnerable are powerful. The space where the most gangster thing you could do is third. And where hip-hop reigns supreme over all things. The All The Way Live podcast. What up? You heard, you heard, you heard, yes, sir. It's your boy, Smiles Xavier, Zue Gila, coming to you guys again for another week at the All The Way Live podcast. Me and my brother, every week come here for one reason and one reason only. That's to give information to people. We dedicate ourselves throughout the week to grabbing and curating, carefully curated content for your cranium. You know what I'm saying? We take current news that's hot. We take uh, ideas and controversial topics and try and break it down, apply some uh, literature to it, apply some brain power to it, have these cool conversations. Um, and we do it because we know that there's a lot of people going through it, man. We know that there's a lot of people that are suffering from mental illness issues. We know there's a lot of people that are suffering from depression. We know that there's a lot of people really going through a tough time in life. And so we aim to be a place of positivity. Uh, Shout out to all the people that are listening, man. We love y'all. Big facts. Big facts. We out here trying to make it make sense. You know what I'm saying? And we can't do that without acknowledging where we come from. You know what I'm saying? Because that's part of the perspective we bring. That's part of, you know, the the what y'all feeling, the vibes that y'all hearing on y'all side, man. Shout out to everybody tuned in on, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Apple Music. Shout out to everybody who's viewing us, the YouTube audience. We love each and every one of y'all. You know what I'm saying? On my brother's side. Exeter is in the building by way of Johannesburg, my dude. Appreciate you, love you. I just, I just, I just, I'm happy to be here. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. And then on this side, we got in the building. Big facts, big facts. This podcast is recorded forever on stolen land. This land belonged to the Potawatomi people, the council of the three fires, and the violence done to them to remove them from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in the city today. This violence that we see in this country today and the violence that we see in the world today, man, it's a lack of acknowledgement. It's a lack of looking at the history and, and, and being willing to confront ourselves, right? We got to lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We got to lift up love for black and brown people the world over. We got to let you know that the intro's over and it's going to be a fly show. Let's go. Yo. The kids official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos Twist your mental like forbidden jitsus My clicks initial Yo! That is still so hard, bro Yeah, big facts We're gonna have to At some point when we both have it fully memorized We're just gonna have to make sure that we can be heard Rapping along to it Definitely, definitely we want to be able to do that, man um, Brother Miles, thank you for coming to the space this week. There's so much for us to be able to talk about. I'm excited uh, to be able to come and speak to you, man, because uh, a lot of the issues that we're going to talk about are issues that I feel you're an absolute expert on. Um, specifically for us, the first stumble upon topic that we're getting into follows the Bill Cosby documentary. Yeah, we need to talk about Cosby. Um by uh, directed by put together by orchestrated by Kamau Bell. Yeah, and Kamau Bell's been doing that type of work. 
Yeah, lots of documentaries looking at uncomfortable topics. So this seems like uh, right right up his lane, right up right up the lane of the things that he's been working on. And having given it a look, man, this was uh, it was a tough watch, um, but it was it was very well put together. Talking about the the career of Bill Cosby, the importance of that career, especially as it pertains to the black community, but also the Com- how how complicated that's made and how yeah just 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 tragic unfortunate disgusting uh it is that there are so many allegations of of sexual assault and rape that accompany his career now and and taking a look at all of that it was yeah four episodes uh, about an hour each but definitely had to take breaks between yeah man i think i'm kind of uh i'm i'm kind of done with watching these types of documentaries, right? There's something to be said about the effect that our brains have just being exposed to so much, um, to so much uh, evil, you know, to so much evil and so much of that stuff is out there. That R. Kelly documentary was very difficult to watch. Um, Recently, the Woody Harrelson documentary is also very difficult to watch too, you know, it really opens your eyes to some of the things that these people have been doing for a while. So with Bill Cosby's case, you know, at this point, the story is, you know, the story is out in terms of what Bill Cosby has done, right? Maybe we don't all grasp how deep it is, but there's no losing the fact that, man, we're not, we're talking about somebody that was a pillar in the black community, right? A pillar in the highest regard in the sense that from uh, almost anywhere, he was the most famous black man for a very, very long time, you know? 1000%. And I, I hear you. For, for real, when you say, like, you're tired of, of watching these documentaries, of, of putting yourself through that emotionally, having to watch, you know, all of this, like, this pain that, that people are, are, are put through at the hands of, of, of men, particularly in power. Um, but at the same time, what I, what I really appreciated about this documentary was that it did prioritize um, keeping at the forefront the reasons why making something like this would be important. Right. So it does a really good job of making its primary goal, if there is one, if I can like put that label on it to break down to like help help whoever's watching it understand and and reconcile the feelings of how important Cosby is to the culture with how disgusting everything that he did was. Right. And so by being really, really thorough in laying out the the milestones of of his career and the accompanying uh assaults right like he really forces us to confront that but there's a human layer of it where um both Kamau as the director and it being through his lens but also the people he invites onto the show there's a conversational aspect of it where it's it is a lot of black people some of them are survivors um, it's a mix of 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 men and and women and and of just people who are close to either the career of Bill Cosby or the comedy scene um, or experts kind of in in the field of 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 predatory behavior or, or assault or or LGBTQ rights. Um, but it's really just it's really, yeah, it's just it's 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 tough to watch, but he does he makes it worth the watch by focusing on that conversation. And by focusing on the voices of survivors. So what particularly was what particularly 
what they're touching on in terms of Bill Cosby's accomplishments and why this makes it particularly so hard to watch someone of his stature fall because it's beyond just it's beyond just a man in power abusing his power. I mean, you know, we're speaking about one of the proponents of the civil rights movements, right? We're talking about somebody who um, has gone far and beyond in terms of facilitating educational development for uh, people of color, really standing behind, uh, really standing behind a lot of the the the, the black leaders, right? So, for instance. Uh, it is purported, reported that Bill Cosby paid for the mic stand, um, paid for the mic stand that Malcolm King, Malcolm Luther King was using when he gave the I Am A Dream speech, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm, I appreciate you. Yeah, kind of just digging into that aspect of it. So there's a lot of layers as to why Bill Cosby is important to the culture, right? Here's this comedian that emerges in like the early 60s, right? Um, as like he started out his career talking about black issues, um, very patterning his career after Dick Gregory, but he kind of moves away from that and starts to just kind of just do jokey jokes, just jokes for the sake of, of making jokes, um, being a little bit edgy without really cursing and kind of feeling a different niche, right? Something that's not as poignant, something that's not as purposeful and making people uncomfortable, but uh ironically he he chose he chooses to go the route of something that's less of a mirror less that's gonna less of a uh political commentary and then we see what his career has evolved into right but he chooses to be this representation of kind of a a silly and an entertaining but also a dignified kind of black comedian right and and for that reason he's allowed into a lot of spaces that a more radical a more um outspoken especially on race issues comedian like dick gregory is excluded from and for that reason he gets the opportunity to be on television right and he's a breath of fresh air compared to a lot of the representations that we had of black people on television before then right the step and gadgets right the um these just depictions of black people as very stereotypical dumb um just just caricatures thank you exactly exactly Right. Um, and so Cosby enters this space on television with I Spy, right? This TV show where he's the first black co lead of a um, of like a, of a network TV show. And it's huge because he's not, you know, in a servant position. Right. He's he's in charge. He speaks many languages. He's a uh, he's into in many ways a boss. Right. He has agency. And that representation is important. And then you have this shift where he decides like to then become this educator of people, which in no which I'm which I'm sure is very uh, intentional. Right. That's the that's the mold that he wants to make for himself. But along the way, he's doing these things like the all the the there were no there were very few black stuntmen in Hollywood. Whenever they wanted to do a stunt, they would paint a white person black. Right. Uh, yeah. And they would and they would just let that, that rock, and that would be the version of of the film. Bill Cosby working on the set of I Spy is like, no, nah, I'm not doing that, right? We're gonna make sure that we have black stuntmen, and so they bring in to the documentary all of these stuntmen whose careers really came out of his demand for not allowing white performers to put on blackface and perform stunts for black people, right? And then you have him take on this educator role where he starts um, kind of talking about 
funnily enough, as we'll get into later in the show, the history of black people, right? And how that's under talked about in schools, right? He becomes this educator figure with the Fat Albert show, um, later with Little Bill. That's a big part of my childhood, these these children's books, right? Um, and then there's the Cosby show, of course, which just becomes this family experience of representation of black people that don't have to worry about money, right? Of black people that are well off, but also very intelligent. Uh, and so those representations are, are hugely important, hugely important. But all along the way, he's, he's creating this persona that everybody can fall in love with very intentionally, while behind the scenes, he's using the trust that that garners to manipulate and, and to assault and rape women. Yeah, yeah. And so it puts us in a, in a bit of a difficult, in a bit of a difficult place, right? In terms of how do we appreciate what somebody has done and separate that from who that person is. Um, it's, it, it actually reminds me of a case here in the UK recently, the case of Jimmy Savile, right? So Jimmy Savile was a radio personality in the United Kingdom and he's this real eccentric, um, this real eccentric dude, uh, white dude, quite odd in his nature, you know, a peculiar gent. However, he's committed, he committed a big portion of his life to raising funds for disability kids, dis, uh, kids with disabilities, especially hospitals. Um, figure that I heard was over 4 million pounds, over 16 million pounds, you know, really being uh, a major figure in the donations and development of children with disability um, institutions in the UK. Turns out he was actually sexually assaulting a lot of those kids. He was sexually assaulting a lot of those kids and was preying on them, right? So looking into that story, you also drawn between the conflict of here's this person that measurably had done so much to help a lot of people, but also what they did hurt a lot of who they are hurt a lot of people. So how do we even appreciate our our heroes in that sense? I think it's really difficult, right? I think in certain cases, especially celebrities and icons and people with that sense of stature that decide specifically to focus on philanthropy and just focus on helping people and, and giving people opportunities, right? You create this scenario where we can't give back some of the things that Cosby gave us, right? We can't give back that there are black stunt people in Hollywood. We can't give back the pride and the comfort that we took from seeing a whole and happy and successful family on television, right? But what we can do is we can examine why and and why we were so ready and why it was so why that was so necessary and why we needed that so badly that we were willing to allow someone to run amok behind the scenes right we need to we need to understand that this is why representation is important and there needs to be and and one is not enough because we can't put our faith in one individual person one individual actor right we need many people many examples of people we can believe in so that our we don't put all of our faith into one figure like a cosby right and and that and that changes the conversation of 
what is a what does it mean to be a hero? What does it mean to have heroes in this day and age where we have access to all the information about these people that we put up on pedestals? You see, like, and that's why heroism doesn't work, bro. That's why if if we can if we can accept that all of us are one, right? And we can all accept that everybody has to everybody has varying degrees of what they can contribute to this oneness that we're trying to be able to form. And the people that give the most aren't hailed as heroes, but you know, can be accepted as people that are that believe in this like one idea of ours. Because if we're if we're still trying to highlight just the heroes, it's it's oh man, we're just gonna end up exactly where we were. Yeah. And I think power is complicated, not to cut you, right? Power is complicated. And you see you see a lot a lot you see it a lot in in corporate society, right? Where you'll have like a CEO and the CEO is clearly doing a whole bunch of dirt, but the secretary is not saying anything. The CFO is a female is not saying anything. You know, you know what this man does. Everybody's aware of what this man does. But because of it's my job, I'm on salary, I have to feed my kids. You know, it's um what they refer to as the prisoner's dilemma, right? The in the prisoner's dilemma, you're you're always confronted with saving yourself as opposed to going the route where um there's the, the 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 road that's more difficult that has more consequences you're always going to revert to saving yourself and it's the bigger the person the more people are willing to accommodate who this person is playing that same prisoner's dilemma yeah but i also think that that's a very mature perspective right like i think that a lot of people this is such a natural progression right from the time that you're a kid and you find an artist right whether it's a musician or these days a, a youtuber or whatever it is right that you're like wow you know this person this person puts out content that makes me happy i want to believe in this this person some days i don't feel like i'm enough some days i look at the world and i feel like it needs to be different and there's this thing out there that makes me feel good and the person behind that i want to believe in them and people like them right and and it's really it's it happens across music um, it happens across, obviously, comedians. We've struggled with this. Dave Chappelle, right? We've struggled with this with Jay-Z. We've struggled with this with Kanye, right? Like, this is this is, this continues to happen where, like, of course, as we get older, we learn to we through the uh, kind of bumps and bruises we develop from being disappointed by finding out about our heroes. We kind of we kind of learn that. But as I think about, like, how do I tell my potential son, right? Like, yo, it's cool. Whoever your favorite rapper is, whoever your favorite author is, whoever your favorite talking head is, that's dope, right? And then, man, we don't even we don't even have to get into the Joe Rogan conversation. But like, you know what I'm saying? Whoever that is, like, whatever you take from that space, that's great. But know that, but don't put all your, your faith into to one person like that because inevitably... They let you down. All these people are are human, and we are we as humans are flawed. And anybody with that level of exposure is eventually we're eventually going to see something that that we don't like. Typically, right, bro? But like, you, I think we should approach this and have this and have the same relationship with our heroes as we do with our first heroes, which is our parents, right? Like, we all we're now old enough where we've been through a, a place where you've accepted your parents as just being people. And that hero facade and that hero outlook 
the older you get, the more outlandish you realize it is to expect these people to be perfect because they too are just people going through life. And you so, right. but I, and I do this podcast with you because you're my most mature friend. But I think the resistance, <laughs> and I think like even the celebration of you. I don't know if you're my most mature friend, but you're my, but you, but you be able to put the thoughts together in a ways that I'd be like, yes, you know, sensei, that's right. But also, I look out at <laughs> the world. And I see that like people are really having a hard time letting go of, of, of artists that have disappointed us to a point where they've actually been harmful to people and we need to we need to have a different conversation about them, right? Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, right? Like there's just it seems like it is a struggle. It is it seems like people do have a hard time allowing like making space for their their heroes to be not only human but to also like confront like all right we can't we can't support this no more i know you love cutting up to his to his music at the weddings i know that bill cosby was what you watched with your with your kids but we we can't ignore this stuff no more and i feel like that is a struggle for people so when we say we can't ignore it are we saying that we can we should no longer separate the 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 person from in this case the art and just throw both of them away or is there a way to separate the two still appreciate the art for the art form and what it gave you but be able to disregard and no longer be a supporter of the person i think whether you whether or not you engage with the art is an individual decision still right like i think for me after watching the documentary and seeing all the links between Cosby the educator and Cosby the predator between seeing all of the innuendos he was making about slipping things into women's drink throughout his career mm -hmm. how it leaked yeah. into his stand up how it leaked into the Cosby show it's really difficult for me to see those things the same way anymore right but if somebody says that they still enjoy those things and they don't that's not tainted for them that's fine but there's another conversation about this list of, of females is, is 50, 60 females long, bro. And there's another conversation about whether or not you want to separate the art from the artist and keep watching the Cosby show. We still have to be able to confront what this person did in order to get justice for these people. And there's a lot of people I still feel like who defend these men because of their body of work. Right. Mm. And, and that's I mean, that's where and, and that's what's not cool. That's what we got. to. That's what we got to cut it out. You know what I'm saying? I'm not mad at you for if you want to still watch the Cosby show. I cringe every time I still hear R. Kelly. But the bigger issue is like, can we overlook their celebrity and overlook that artistic body of work to make sure that justice is served for the people that they hurt? That's what I'm saying. You know, I think because of how powerful art can be on us as people, we have the tendency of glorifying the artist. When in fact, an artist is somebody who is you know, even anyone, someone with the stature of Bill Cosby or whatever the case is, they too are people on this earth traversing the same uh, probably insecurities, evidently in Bill Cosby's case, because cowardice of this magnitude stems from some form of insecurity. You know what I mean? So. And I think looking at it, another thing that that makes me think of, right, is that like it, it's something I would tell my hypothetical kids is like, all right, you have your hero. You have the their body of work. What, how, show me their commentary on their flaws, right? 
let me hear what they have to say about their own issues right if if they're and if there's if that doesn't exist right then that's a orange flag for me right because we have if you we have so much exposure to celebrities we have so much right like let if if they've done things that are controversial if they've done things to hurt people let me hear what they have to say on it right i heard back to joe rogan joe rogan's explanation of saying n word i wasn't particularly moved but i ain't mad at nobody who said you know he addressed it and he's in a different space now like all right cool cool but that's what i would say as as we move into the space that's real murky and muddy with celebrities that you know like yeah we just have so much access to if part of that access and part of that cult following is let me hear what they have to say about their own flaws right because bill cosby was mad critical of a lot of people we ain't hear him really talk about his flaws came out in weird kind of subtle subtext of his shows and stuff yeah but then again power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts right i think we've gotten a hold of that of that bill cosby stumbled upon with your permission mr maz xavier we're about to jump into something that we spent all week getting prepared for let's get it Like that, man. Critical race theory. We be on the ball, man. We talked. We talked about this. We talked about people saying the n word. You know what I'm saying? We we've been ahead of the curve. That's right. That's right. Been ahead of the curve. I don't want to. I don't listen. Just just because just because the audience is still growing, don't get it twisted. The things we talk about always become relevant, and we've been we've been keeping it humble. Every time, you know what I mean, but it's okay. I'll, I'll let the I'll let the content speak for itself. Big facts, big facts. So, critical race theory. Where do we start this conversation? Man? Um, why are we talking about this? Uh, people are in a huff, man. You know, um, particularly uh, white people are in a huff because it has been presented to them that critical race theory should be taught in schools. And many white people are vehemently opposed to this, right? Um, so critical race theory should be taught in schools, and you're saying uh, white people up in arms about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, and it's not. I mean, it's not just white people, right? There are there are people of color that are opposed to um, the teaching of critical race theory in their schools as well, and I think that that has a lot to do with the many ways it's being defined, the many ways it's being understood, and the kind of intentional, I believe, hysteria that's being kind of sprinkled in, the sauce that's being added um, in the media coverage of it. Okay. Um, because we have a, a, between myself and yourself, uh, we have an audience that covers the the whole, the whole, world right we got an audience from all different parts of, of the world so i'd like to expand the conversation um especially about something like critical race theory that might seem like it only applies to black americans however is something that's relevant about the about how we apply the history 
specifically painful and dark history into today's educational system, right? So in looking into critical race theory, I think always understanding the genesis and the origin of things is always super helpful in being able to understand what it is and how it came about. And so stemming from um, the 60s, it was black lawyers in universities realized that there was not any accurate information regarding the slavery period and the history of black people in the US was not, was not included within academia. And so the theory was brought about in order to dismantle the, um, in order to dismantle the exclusion of accurate race teachings within the education system as a means of being able to confront it. Yeah. Right. So there's this scholarly idea, right, that forms in the study of how race is taught in America that actually race infiltrates every aspect of civilian life in the United States, right? Or, or racism, right? Whether that's education, whether that's public safety, whether that's access to healthcare, whether that's access to housing, whether that's across the spectrum, right? So that's one of the core fundamental tenets of critical race theory is that racism is is pervasive throughout american institutions right there's also this idea that systemic change has only occurred when there have been when there's a it's been in the interest of the dominant group or when the dominant group has been able to see that in their own interest right meaning white people right so that systemic change has typically only occurred when enough pressure has been put on white people or whether that's political, social, or financial, to make it feel like it was in their best interest to make a social change. It also uh, posits that race is an entirely social construct um, and that there's no biological basis mm-hmm. for believing in differences of race, um, among, a few other, among a few other tenets. So it's a complex theory, and it's also... When we say critical race theory is being taught in schools, it's a little bit of a misleading statement, right? Because that's a that's a basis of understanding, but we're not in third and fourth grade classrooms teaching the systemic, you know, <laughs> pervasiveness of racism based on institutions because the because the background isn't there. Um, and I can we can elaborate a little bit more on what is actually being taught in schools, but I, I'd. I'll kind of leave it there as a description of what critical race theory is. For sure. With so when we talk about leaving it in schools, right? Part of why this conversation now is is so relevant and why the term critical race theory is increasing in popularity is because there has been a large pulling of information regarding race history and uh, history of of. Uh, race history in the U.S. has been pulled from from schools. More books and more books and topics have been banned this year in schools than uh, than the past three years, right? Just just this year alone. So that's that's the relevance of it. And I'm glad you touched on the fact that there's like a mis the the name of it 
is misleading a bit and now the they're utilizing this word in order to let me not say they're using they is too it's too vague the word is being used at as a means of applying to things that are beyond what the actual concept of it is supposed to be now i'll be fully honest and say that i think the extreme the extremism of anything is is not very helpful especially when it comes to education right if you're going to teach something in extremes there's so much that you're going to miss and the, a lot of the information really does land somewhere in the in the middle between between these extremes so even if you're going to take away a lot of books that's an extreme uh, that's an extreme approach to limiting information but also at the same time if you are entirely too open about what stems in that's an extreme um, that's an extreme way of education because now you're forcing people to 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 not necessarily have enough grounding on information because of the the overabundance of of different type of information especially at that age right so understanding go ahead no no i was just going to say yeah it's complicated and two 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 like you said i like how you framed it in extremes right cuz two things are happening right there's this idea there's this framework for thinking about race that is like being popularized in scholarly literature and then there's there's not enough about the actual <laughs> the actual factual history of african americans in the united states being taught right and so as people push to increase how much of how much of that actual factual information is taught critical race theory kind of gets lumped in as this is what they're going to teach now right and so to some extent i'm willing to have a debate about especially in high school classrooms what the the framing and the lens of that type of instruction should be and the role of white supremacy in the united states i think that's a complicated issue and i think when we talk about how children are educated, like I'm willing to have a lengthy conversation about that. But I think what we're what we're seeing is that this this framework of extremes is making everybody show their hand, right? And certain people that don't really understand or misunderstand what critical race theory is and really do want the continued reduction of an any emphasis on race in schools, right? Are are showing that that's that that's what they want mm. and only speaking for myself my perspective on is at about at a at a at a basis we can't continue to do the softening of history that we have right i remember i came up in the american education system i remember being taught a bunch of fluffy stuff i remember being taught that thanksgiving was a very collaborative unification <laughs> between native americans First Nation. It was a potluck. The potluck gone wild. That was incorrect, right? I was certainly not taught about the extent to which not only slavery was horrible and awful, but also the the I was taught I was barely taught the way that it extends and has continued to affect our current society, right? I was certainly not taught about redlining. Right. I was and, and I was certainly not taught about a bunch of discriminatory practices that have been engaged at the federal level. Cointelpro. Nah. <laughs> Fred Hampton. Nah. Was not in my history books. Right. So I think there's 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 a 
pushback against teaching how difficult life has been in America for black people because that story inevitably vilifies white people. And that's where my point of contention comes in, right? If you, if you, have, a, if you have a coherent argument about, about the ways in which we teach about white supremacy, I'm willing to have that argument. But if you're pushing back on teaching accurate history of black people in schools, right, in America, in this country where it, it does I, it affect our everyday lives, because of you feel like it, it paints like the truth paints white people a certain way. Well, then we have a fundamental difference. I get that. And so there is a bit of adjustment that has to be made. Right. There is a bit of adjustment in the sense that more information, more information about indigenous history has to be included in schools, black, Native Americans, even even to a, a certain extent, you can argue about certain um, certain typically Caucasian groups of people, right? The the Scottish history in the US has its own flair to it, talking about a people that were escaping an oppression of their own, landed and had to decide and make a choice if w which side that they were gonna step on. Essentially, there's a nuanced history in, the, in all people, right? So with what's, I feel like critical race theory, that's what it represents in the sense of introducing a way to include all forms of, of race education so that kids can be exposed to it early, understand what it is, know why, uh, know some of the reasons that caused it, and also begin to develop their own relationship with it that does not come from misinformation from home. If we're going to teach these kids to think for themselves, at least let's start exposing them to some of the mistakes that we have seen in the past and allow them to understand why those mistakes were bad inherently and how it was wrong to separate people based on their skin color and um you know understand how the how systemic how systemic oppression actually works in the forms of law creation and the forms of where people are situated with proximity to cities all of those things are actually happening right now and are a big part of the reason why there's a lot more people who are coming up without than people who are but so now you're getting to the crux of the issue right now you're getting to critical race theory means one thing but it has come as you said to represent this general idea of emphasizing the the struggle of of and the history of abhorrent behavior that black people have had to endure right and there are some people that vehemently disagree with you. There are some people that say we, by emphasizing race and emphasizing that his that painful history, we're doing a disservice to children by forcing them to think about race, by forcing them to think about all of these these issues more so than they would if we just raised them and and we were just like, hey, man, it's all good, doesn't really matter. I got one question. If that's so bad for kids, what about the people who are actually going through it? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's like that's the that's that's you're right, right? That's what about the black kids, right? That don't have a choice that are going to be forced to confront the fact that they're black inside or outside the classroom, no matter what, no matter what, right? Yeah. 
And so, but that's the, but that's, but that's part of it, right? Is that, hey man, if you teach that, that white people were responsible for the enslavement of all these black people and continue to subjugate them for years after that, and that we as the descendants of, of white people still reap the benefits of that and I'll have a responsibility to that. How is that going to make my white per my white kid feel? How, 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 how is the question? <laughs> how is the question? And that's the answer we're trying to get to. Them feel sad about themselves. It's going to make them feel like, you know, where it's going to, you know, that's the, that's the argument, right? That's part of, that's part of the argument. Let me not say that that's the entire argument against critical race theory. But that's a big, that's that a big part of it, right? So, and that's part of it that I, I just vehemently, I vehemently disagree with. Well, at least people can understand that when we bring these topics up, you heard it here first. This is probably going to be something that we're going to have to revisit because it is picking up steam and it has been a hot topic in the mouths of senators and governors, especially in the South, who are running on the basis of, pulling critical race theory being taught from schools, which so it's clearly going to be a point of, of it's going to be a, a touch point going forward. Elections are going to be coming up in 2024. That's around the corner. Um, we know, we know who, who's, who's lurking in the windows. So yes. Yeah, wild out here. Stay wild educated. And as they, and that's the thing, man, that we will definitely have to revisit this because as they pull critical race theory, right. Air quotes, they're pulling, teaching about a lot more than that right they're pulling fundamental aspects of history um so yeah ongoing discussion is is needed we need to continue to clarify these terms uh and not talk past each other when we have these conversations um that is an invitation for a republican guest and with that we <laughs> move I, th on. I think we could do it i definitely would be so open to having a, a Republican guest or whatever the case is, man. Because what we do here is curate conversation. We want to listen to people. We want to hear what they want to say. So this always open conversation. If you want to jump into the comments, jump into the comments. We about to get into the people's favorite part of the show. We're about to get a people what they want. Let's go. Yo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The people's favorite part of the show. Shout out to everybody that's supporting the record review. We got our, you know, the numbers keep. This is what they want. <laughs> this is what they want. And this is what I want to because Chicago is most definitely in the building for the Saba review. You know what I'm saying? This Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh, no, no. Don't trip. We for sure got that one. We out here. Thank you. We Thank you. Here. I see what you did there. We back with the drops. Smiles with the drops. Drop a few more. Drop a few more, please. No, it's only right. It's only right. It's only right. Yo, Saba's this this is um when I think of when I think of hometown artists, man, I, I typically think of, of two categories. I think of the the, the the drill guys, I think of the Dirks, I think of the 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 Rugas, the G Herbos. Uh, I think of the the luckiest the guys kind of on that side, and then I think of the Mick Jenkins. I think of the 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 Chance the Rappers. Uh, I think of the Joey Perps, and I think of my guy right here, man, Saba. Mm -hmm. 
a few mm-hmm. good things the the official all the way live review man um what you think i think everybody that's watching this review should also go to our youtube and check out some of the past reviews that we have done uh let us know what you think get into the conversations over there we definitely are responding we'd love to get to a point where we're engaging people to do these reviews with us man you know we do this to open up a conversation chicago is in the building saba is in the building this is the third effort that we're getting from saba since 2016 what's cool about yeah, I know, right? I'm, I'm getting <laughs> this is the, the the third offering. Yeah, you're um, a pundit for sure. I'm definitely a pundit. A hip-hop pundit? I am a hip-hop pundit. 100%. 100%. What's cool about Saba is that with a lot of hip-hop is very young, right? And we're young, to be fair. But some hip-hop you've caught at the same, the same artist at, at the same level that you're at maybe in age or just in thinking, and you kind of elevate with that level. I actually caught myself listening back to Friday Night Lights um, by Cole, right? And hearing like, man, how much that applied, how much that applies to me right now. But where Cole is now, maybe not necessarily in terms of accomplishments, that relatability is slightly more different, right? but with artists like Saba, with artists like Nick Jenkins, with artists like Smino, with artists like Boogie, getting back on Saba, the the age and the the relatability and the life experiences are very close to me, and they very and I relate very heavily. Yeah, man, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you brought that aspect of, of relatability to it because I think that's where this album is really is really strong. Um, in a week where the hip hop floodgates kind of opened, right, and there was a lot to listen to. I was um I don't know if I was in the mood for something as um as croonful, you know, something as 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 chill and laid back as as this album was, right? It was definitely a shift of 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 mind state from the other stuff I was listening to. And Saba does a really really good job of yeah, man, just like creating creating an experience for the listener that that's rewarding, even if you even if it's not what you expected. So, like for instance, getting to hear a Bone Thugs hook, right mm-hmm. on a 2022 album, that was that was dope to me. Right, hearing an an entire interlude that was actually dedicated to that Chicago sample that we just played, that was dope to me. Right. And and no matter what you're kind of going into, uh, thinking an album is going to be, those are the type of things that you really you really just can't anticipate. Right. That black thought burst at the end. Right. Um, so I really just appreciated how. The creativity that went into this, um, but at the same time, I. I felt conflicted about it. You know, I wanted I wanted I, I was trying to go along with the chill vibe. But I wanted some more slaps, right? And when he started rapping and he was trying to slap, it wasn't those were those really weren't my favorite tracks. So I'm still working out how I feel about the album in that way. And that's fair. That's fair to say. And I, and it's only it's fair to say because we really enjoyed his last his his last two albums, right? Bucket list, arguably 
people are saying is his best project. I I wouldn't I wouldn't you know I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, Care for me I thought was a spectacular 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 piece of work. Yep. Um, it, it really was. So we're talking about somebody that cannot make bad music, and I think that's evident in this. Uh, that's evident in this album too, where you you'd be hard pressed to call this bad music. It's not bad music. Um, but right. what I appreciate, what I appreciate most about it is the growth, the growth element, and then and the growth factor. The mm -hmm. fact that I'm hearing Saba try to address more mature topics. He's trying to address. Um, he's trying to really describe the, the changes that he's going through as uh, as as a breadwinner, adult in his family, as somebody that's. Um, new to new to money and new to larger responsibilities after working so hard uh, to be able to get it and what his relationship with doing that like one of the lines when he's talking about um, I pay for my I pay for my sister's tuition I should probably go to the I should probably go to the meetings you know <laughs> I thought that was a super that was a, that's a super dope line a super dope line which and that's a dope feature with with Herbo it it wouldn't if we're comparing, because that's what we do in hip hop, I enjoy Care For Me better, but I am not, not even a slight less excited to be able to see the next thing that Saba puts out. Yeah, well, I'm glad you introduced comparison into it because we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get there for sure. But um, yeah, perfect. This is You would be very hard pressed to say that any even one song on here is bad, right? He's crafting this music very intentionally um and it's creative but there's so much going on that i almost didn't i almost felt like i didn't get a sense of his voice shining through this you know what i mean i i when i think back to the things i remember it's features it's heavily layered vocals but it's not saba rapping right and every time i was like man i wish i had some more bars on this album he would rap a little bit um you know one way is dope Right. Uh, if I had a dollar is dope. Uh, 2012 is decent. An interlude called Circus is probably my favorite. Um, I think he this man need to might distance himself from speed. This might he may need to distance himself from Smino a little bit. It's it's all sounding a little Smino esque. Oh, is that is that what you're picking up? You're picking up this the Smino. Or maybe I'm picking up. Maybe I'm picking up the Smino. But but. Overall, really good project. Do you this or the Corday joint? I I think it's unfair. It's unfair to compare the two. Corday is a Corday is a whiz kid in the best in the best building. Corday is a whiz kid in the, in the best building. Sava is, is didn't didn't go to college. You know, so I didn't go to college. He, he's thugging it out, and so I respect them for I respect them. For two different things. If I had to choose, I, I need I need more time to live with the Saba album because I can tell it's gonna be music that I would enjoy a lot in a more chill setting. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll certainly pick my favorites from the playlist. I listed some of my highlights. Still is dope. Come my way is dope. Uh if I had a dollar and one way is are, are my favorites. And in the loot called circus. Those are my those are my joints. Um, I give yeah. it a three or a three point five out of five. 
uh, 3.5, my brother Miles puts it, obviously, Survivor's Guilt is a pretty dope track. Um, still, featuring Smino and Black was cool. A simpler time with Mariba. I really enjoyed that. Soldier was also pretty cool. Again, uh, you it, you cannot call Saba, Saba's music bad music. Um, so this is not a bad album. I'd love to see how I keep growing with it. I'll definitely come back to it. I'm sure there's a few extra joints that I can pick off of there. But my brother and I give it a 3.5 out of 5 mics. Yeah. That Ziploc still slaps, though. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Know what you want to do, man. Me no one rush to show Gatti. I'm, what I'm not doing is typing the album out right now, Miles. Typing the album out? What does that mean? That does not mean right here. <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yo, Gotti, Cocaine Music 10. There was a lot of music that dropped this week, Miles Xavier. You wake up, and me and you, we both love hip-hop, so we're excited. We're ready for... Uh, listen, getting into things because the fans like to listen to us comment on music. Um, hip hop is a competitive sport, and so if we talk about competitive sports, who won this week in the best music that released? Undoubtedly, to me, is this Yo Gotti Cocaine Music Ten album. I think I gotta agree, man. I think I gotta agree. Uh, this is—he's in shape, bro. He's—he's he's in. He's in prime shape. He's this is what it sounds like when an artist is is comfortable, when an artist is in their pocket, when an artist is confident, when an artist isn't trying to be anything that they're not. Um, you know, this is and it's a double album. I feel like that a lot of the times come together. Artists usually give us a double album when they're feeling themselves, and I'm and I'm I'm feeling Gotti feeling himself on this for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean what's what's so cool about hip-hop these days and it's it's kind of like unlocking a new level where people that have been in the game for a long time can still be up to speed in creating music that is just so fly right Gotti's been putting out music in 2003 um and and he explains he explains his journey on this album so the two double discs you have free and you got game so free is 11, 12 tracks of just that cocaine music, that classic Gotti sound that that we love, like that that slapping, rack it up, you know, you know what you're going for, that that hardcore Southern trap Memphis sound. And then game, this is where he dives deeper into the samples, and he gets a lot more, um, he gets a lot more intentional and educational with what with what he's trying to do, doing a lot of. And what I dig about this is this is another rapping exec. This is another businessman in the game. This is somebody else that also is is crafting, is, is creating something of value, right? So he definitely dives into that bag and, and gives his nod to Jay, to Ross, to to Nip. Uh, and these are his these are his um, these are his peers in, in the executive space, man. So it was, it was dope to be able to get the boast out of both worlds with this cocaine music turn from Gotti's fly. Yeah, big facts, big facts. And I love it, man. I love how you broke down the kind of the concept, right? This is, this just comes together so well. And it's not out of nowhere, right? Even as far back as like Untrapped, which was like 2018, 2019. 
there's a there's a been a build to a more polished sound to a very particular but uh comfortable and not boring not fatiguing pocket right he's he's just he's in shape man i was off uh off mic we were talking about different artists to compare him to and i was saying like ace hood um you know this is maybe executed in total as a double disc better than any ace hood project i can name but there's a sense that i get of just an artist who understands where they can what they can contribute to the game and just honing in on that and just and he sounds locked in he sounds focused uh and he sounds like yeah he he wants to be talked about amongst those great names that you just mentioned yeah as he deserves to be because he's got the best roster in the game right now under his roster you got 42 Doug who's lighting up the streets you got uh you got Moneybag Yo who's under the same thing you got Black Youngster um so clearly clearly this man has an aptitude for understanding what's good on the street what sounds fly he 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 definitely has that ear and another thing that I'm glad that he addressed especially off the first track is he's from Memphis the late great young Dolph is from Memphis Dolph um RIP Dolph recently killed in his hometown Memphis and there were a lot of fingers that were pointing to Gotti immediately after that uh, police went over to Gotti and a whole lot of, of that happened and he addresses that in a very mature way that we haven't necessarily seen beef be addressed because there was you know there, there is alleged beef between the two um, and he says yo like I'm not I'm not about that beef stuff and he says it was you know he said it was y'all were wrong for pointing for bringing that towards me when I'm about unity I'm about peace I'm about uh, all these different things. Now, you know, maybe I'm not I'm not speaking on behalf of of the streets, and I'm not engaging in street talk. But all I'm saying is, for somebody to who has the fingers pointed at him to still address it in that way and and promote positivity and promote business and do it over some hard beats. Oh, bro, this is flat. Women love Gotti. Yeah, for sure. If you ain't if you ain't know that Untrapped Project, bro, that's where all the twerk music. That you hear now, yeah. yeah. If you ask yourself who loves Gotti, women love Gotti. <laughs> oh. But man, this is um, you nailed it, man. You 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 put it right on the head. It's it's incredible to have game. It's incredible to see hip hop mature. We talk a lot about that on this show. Is watching hip hop mature. It's it's really the best when hip hop matures and it's still fun, right? When hip hop matures and still has its has an edge, it still has some heat to it. You know what I'm saying? I. I ain't gonna lie to you. There's a lot of albums that I listened to over this week that just had me with thinking face, like, mm, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's good. Mm, yes, that's good hip hop. But this really had my elbows into it. I was, I was, I was really happy just to, just to get a chance to listen to this and uh, appreciate you for making sure that this did not get missed on the list of things that we review with this show. Indeed, indeed, we had to, we had to, because we give the people what they want on the show. If the people want us to keep reviewing these albums, let us know which album we should review. Drop it in the link. We drop Spotify playlists. Uh, we drop SoundCloud playlists. We up on the SoundCloud. Uh, shout out to the SoundCloud family. Uh, you know, we we serious about our music. We serious about making sure that we can share a space where we can all enjoy music together. Um, to all the hip hop heads out there, man, let us know what you think of this Gotti album. I have to give this album, Miles Xavier, 
a five out of five. I'll take it. I'll take it. I got. Is this the? I think this is the first five out of five that I've given. Maybe. Maybe. My very first five out of five goes to Gotti. Yeah. Well, this. I mean, I am mad at that. This is. Uh, this is a great project, and in terms of what. You might have thought we were getting from Gotti. This is a slap upside the head, no matter who you are. Yeah. So, five out of five. This is, uh, this is fire. Uh, yo, Gotti, free game. Five out of five for show. All the way live family. We know. Yeah, man, we know. It's a, it's, 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 it's like. We, we, we think about it every week. We think about it as we craft the show. We think about it as we do the show. We think about it as we leave the show. We know, both show, that you have a lot of choices. You could be doing anything until Sunday, right? You know, uh, you could be doing anything with every day. You could, with your car ride, with your, you know, time at the gym, with your run, with your walk, where, wherever you listen to us at, you don't got to be tuned in, but y'all, you hearing the beautiful, soulful sounds of hazelnut tones and chestnut tones. Just bringing you this celebration of celebrating, this celebration of life, this celebration of how good it feels not to be Bill Cosby. Don't it feel good way? Dude, thank God I'm not Bill Cosby. Big facts. Big facts. Listen, man, eat something delicious. Hug somebody you love. Love yourself. Love yourself. And say no to something. Somebody going to ask you something in the next couple of days that you <laughs> really don't want to do. Make sure you say no, they know the hey, well, I'm, I'm handing out nose. I've been handing out nose all week. I can't wait to hand out another one. Hey, bro, that's just this is your pass. This your chance to do your dance and say no to somebody <laughs> like that. Peace, water. We go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live though? Is we like all the way live though? You heard?